Hey church, if you're joining us online, welcome to you as well. We are here live broadcasting what's happening on in our service. We have some recorded elements, but we're just really glad you're here. My name is Grant, one of the pastors here at the church. And I'm Amanda. And we are going to get the service started for you. All right, so if it's your first time here, uh, we would really love to get to know you. Um, so you can help us by dropping us a note at Cedar Valley dot, or hello at cedarvalley.ca, or if you're watching online, commenting on the chat TV, or if you're here, you can just find somebody in the lobby with a lanyard, and we'd really love to get to know you better. Totally, and we do have the chat comments going just for the start of the service here. You can kind of get a sense of who is online, who's joining in, and if you are... chairs. There's uh, quite a few of us who are online every single week too, and that's really exciting. Uh, for everybody, uh, just a good reminder here to make sure you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or head over to our website, cedarvalley.ca, and sign up for our weekly email newsletter. It's just a good way to stay informed about different stuff happening, uh, events, there's good devotionals, good connecting points. Yes. Um, sanctioned texting at church. That's fun. <laughs> All right. So um, giving. We're so thankful for your generosity, whether that be uh, financially or with your prayers and time. Um, so we just want to thank you for that. Absolutely. And it's it helps make all of this kind of stuff happen. It's not free to run church ministry, right? And so that's why we, we depend on it. And this church has been incredibly faithful, incredibly generous, and we've been thriving through this year, which should have been a much more difficult year, but we're able to reach out into mission. We're able to live out the mission, which we're going to be talking about this morning with Pastor Rob about what we are actually here as a church. But yeah, uh, if you have come here just ready to give, uh, we can do that at the back of the sanctuary. There's some booths, or there uh, is a debit machine in the back, or you can head over to our website online, cedarvalley.ca slash give, and there's just a lot of ways to do that online, too. Uh, so what are some of the things happening around here? All right. Well, we actually have a really busy schedule this fall here at Cedar Valley. So on Mondays, Monday evenings, there's an art history study. Tuesday mornings, ladies' Bible study. Tuesday evenings, Bible study fellowship and freedom session. Wednesday, Cedar Valley Kids and Youth Groups, Thursdays and Fridays, and there are support groups here. Yeah, did you get all that? <laughs> you write down the notes? <laughs> it, all that is actually to say, if you are looking for something to do midweek, a way to get engaged, some sort of workshop or educational piece or a prayer group or support group or anything like that, a Bible study, there are a lot of opportunities. And if you would like that, or if you even have the time to serve and help out with any of these programs happening here on our campus, uh, talk to somebody wearing one of the lanyards out in the lobby there, speak to myself or Amanda or one of the pastors. We would love to get you connected and where you would fit best. It would just be a great way to be involved during the week and between the Sundays. Yeah, yeah and I just want to do a quick plug for Freedom Session, if I can. So Tuesday, if you don't know uh, if you want to come, why don't you come out on Tuesday at 7 o'clock and you can decide if... Uh, if that's something you'd like to do, kind of get a feel for uh, what's going to take place. So you have a chance to kind of come as an info night on the first night, and then after that you would have to sign up for sure. Totally. All right, well, let's get the service started. All right. So we're going to get the service started here. There will be some worship and singing, um, some live recorded, and the lyrics will be on the screen. And we'd like invite you to join in in any way you feel comfortable, standing up, sitting down, raising your hands, whatever you feel comfortable with. <laughs> 
Totally that. And after that, we'll be dismissing the kids for a special service just for them downstairs. Parents, if you have not signed or checked them in yet, uh, find somebody wearing a lanyard in the lobby. We'll get them checked in. We like to make sure the kids are really safe in our programs here, and uh, they'll pop back up after at the end of the service. All right. Pastor Grant, are you giving us a sermon this morning? No, or is that no, Pastor I Rob? didn't update okay. the script. No. Well, you mentioned Pastor Rob, so I was like, oh, I think that's probably, he's going to finish off our series on mental health. No, this is a really old script. Wow, I did okay. a bad job on that. But, you know, I'll catch you for this one. All right. This morning, Pastor Rob is starting us off in a series, really just not even rediscovering, but bringing out a good intentional look of who we are as a church. We're going through our mission, our vision, our values as a church, what drives us, what guides us, and uh, how we can apply that into bringing the gospel out to our neighbors and to our community. Awesome. Yeah, okay, no. let's get started. Yeah, let's get started. Good question for you. We're going to spend a moment here, a little icebreaker. Turn to your neighbor, or if you're online, head to the comment section of Facebook or YouTube. We talked about all the different midweek stuff happening, and I know this is a pretty extracurricular kind of society we're in, right? Like, especially if you have kids, there's so many different things. But what kind of midweek activities are you in, or what's your favorite? If you've got like a dozen, you're like, there's way too many. What's your favorite thing? Maybe it is like one of your kids' things or your coach in a sports team. But turn to your neighbor, or if you're online, comment. Let us know what's your like midweek activity that you just love, that you would like love to get other people involved in. Spend a minute doing that, and other than that, we're in for a great service. Thanks, everyone. All right. Good morning.
There's a grace when the heart is under fire. Another way when the walls are closing in. When I look at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning, I know I will never be alone. There is another ring of fire standing next to me. There is another ring of waters holding back the sea. And should I ever be reminded of how I've been set free, there is a cross that bears the burden. Standing next to me, there is another. 
reflect on what we've been singing. The rest of death, new life, that for some here and, and some joining us online, God, that new life began a long time ago. And yet for others, it is new, that new life. But thank you for what you have given to us and continue to bless us with. New life, freedom in Jesus Christ. And for that, we, we gather whether we're here together in this room or we gather online. But God, we gather because of that new life through Jesus Christ and we celebrate and we sing and we hear your word and we stand up to the challenge that's before us knowing that the power of your spirit lives within. We thank you, God, for meeting us here where each one of us are. God, in the midst of our, our struggles, our, our trials, our joys, our sorrows, our sickness, our health, God, you were there in the wonderful love of Jesus. is not just with us, but sustains us, carries us, lifts us up, and for that, we praise you. God, please continue your, your blessing upon us this morning. As our hearts and our minds have been opened and prepared to hear your word, both upstairs here in this room and also downstairs with the children. God, the lesson also that they learn would would draw them close to your heart as they see the heart of God and how they in tune can, can grow hearts that are after yours. We thank you again, God, this morning for this time of gathering of church together. Amen. So in just a minute, um, for those of you online and gathered here this morning, you're going to see a bit of a clip of the theme of what's happening downstairs with the Bible Adventure Kids as soon as we're dismissed. But Bible Adventure Kids, age 3 to grade 6, we are ready to head off. So I would love to meet you just back in the foyer on the right-hand side. Parents, don't forget to check them in. They need a tag on them. Matter of fact, I need to get mine too. We will see you back there. And parents, you can claim your kids at the end of the service, just off to the right side of the foyer. And if you're watching online, there's a little bit of an activity that you can do, kids, um, if you're at home, to be a part of the theme of our lesson this morning. Great. We'll see you soon. Hey there, Cedar Valley hey there, Kids. Cedar Valley it kids. is great it is. to be with you again today. Now, I've got something cool for you to do. What I want you to do in just a moment is go and find something to build a tower with that you can do while your mom and dad are watching the message. You can use blocks, you can use books, you can use uh, things like we've got here and we're gonna build a tower because it says in the Bible in Genesis chapter 11, 
a whole bunch of people got together and built a tower. So, right now, go get your supplies. And while they're doing that, parents, I just want to say something to you. You know, we've got kids coming out for Cedar Valley Kids Wednesday night and Sunday morning Bible adventures, and we don't have enough teachers for the kids. Now, you could be sitting at home doing a bunch of other stuff or heading downtown, but number one, what a great opportunity to help the children learn about Jesus. But if you're part of the church and you're sitting at home, maybe you should be hanging out with the kids teaching them about Jesus. They're awesome. There's lots of different things you can do from leading verses, listening to verses, doing tech stuff on the computer, showing videos, just to working with the kids, right? Exactly, yeah, we do need help. And it's all the help that's needed is actually really simple. It doesn't take a lot of prep and it doesn't take a lot of uh, time of your week ahead of time. So it's really simple to come and help. So give us a call. We'd love to talk to you about being part of Cedar Valley Kids Wednesday night and Sunday morning. So we're going to start building our tower here and we're going to see how high and how fast we can build because you know what? We're going to build a huge tower that everybody can see and we're going to be famous because everybody's going to see how cool it is. All right, let's go. Let's go. Look at that. Did you get it done as quick as we did? Oh, we've got one more. We missed one right here. Don't want our tower falling over. Now, if you got yours done as quick as I've got, we got ours done, I'll send you a prize. Let me know. But in Genesis chapter 11, these people came together and they said, whoa, let's build a city and a tower that reaches to the sky. And so they started building. So we thought we'd build a tower. And they said, you know what? If we do that, people will see it and we're going to be famous. And so I kind of thought, well, how about if I built a tower with Jenny's help and maybe people will see it in Mission Drive past Cedar here and say, hey, those, what a cool tower. Those guys are famous. Well, probably not. Exactly what happened in Genesis chapter 11. God said, no. He says, I told you to get together and then move out. Whoa, there goes the tower. And God was causing the wind to blow the tower already. And he says, I, he says you think you're the greatest? You're going to be famous? No. So he put an end to building the tower because he said he wanted them to move out and fill the whole earth not just stay in one place and build a tower that they thought would make them famous. See, God is the greatest, so we don't need to try to be. Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 28. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depth of his greatness. How cool is that? So, even though we think, whoa, I did something amazing, I'm gonna be famous. No, God is the greatest, and we just do what he allows us to do. And God put an end to building the tower, and he could do the same thing here. So if he just caused the wind to blow just a little bit, then so much for my famous tower. Anyways, God's the greatest. You're pretty cool, you can do great things, but it's what He has created you to do. Not to be greater than Him, because He's the greatest. All right, have a great day, guys.
like that. God is the greatest, so we don't have to be. I like that. But he, he does give us things that we would call them spiritual gifts that um, allow us to reveal how great he is. And on that note, I wanted to thank Rick. Here he comes now, Rick Medley, for playing us in this morning on the saxophone. He'll play us out again. That is a jazzy call to worship this morning. So thanks, Rick. That was fantastic. Um, and I also wanted to thank uh, those who came by yesterday to help out here at the church. That was fantastic. Uh, I got a bit of a, I don't know what you'd call them, a, a pinch blister. You know when you pinch your finger in something and immediately you have like this bloody sort of bruisey thing there? So I'm going to probably file a workman's compensation thing here. That's what someone said. You should. It's awful. That's terrible. That's tough stuff. As, uh, as Grant mentioned, uh, we are beginning a new series. I'll get to that in a moment. But I'm going to start with a story. I remember it really well. Uh, I was standing in a storage closet at the back of what was called the Fellowship Hall at Calvary Baptist Church in Guelph, Ontario. We actually used to joke sarcastically, you know, that hall where fellowship takes place, deep spiritual connection and friendships, outside of which that hall, you cannot have such fellowship. I was in that storage closet at the back of that hall, experiencing no fellowship, because I was hiding in it, alone, with the lights off. And by lights off, I mean dark. And by dark, I mean like I couldn't see my hand in front of my face dark. Even as my pupils were dilating dark, could not see anything. We were playing, because I was the youth pastor, and this is what youth pastors do. We were playing a game called sardines. It's sort of um, the reverse game of hide-and-seek. It was the first meeting of junior high. There were roughly four students, Jackie and me. And I was in that storage closet wondering, what am I doing here? I was a teacher. I had a successful teaching career. I'd moved into ministry. What am I doing here? The leadership team of this church and the transition team of this church put together by the leadership team, has been asking this question for some time now about Cedar Valley Church. What are we doing here? It's the kind of question that is always worth asking because why needs to motivate how and what. But it is particularly useful to ask during a season of transition like we are in. As you know, the leadership team of this church asked me to work with a cross-section of folks from the church to update the church's mission, vision, and values statements, to update the church's bylaws and governance model, and to create a profile for your next lead pastor in that order. And here's why that order. So that whoever your next lead pastor is, he or she would come into a church who has a clear sense of why it exists, that's your mission, where it is going, that is your vision, 
how it will get there, that's your values, supported by an efficient and effective decision-making process, that's your bylaws and your governance, so that he or she will be able to get a sense that this might be the people place for him or her to lead. Because a good hire is about competency, it's about character, and it's about chemistry. It's about fit. Would they be a good fit for you? Will you be a good fit for them? Now, all of this has taken some time. That's for sure. We were all struggling just to keep our heads above water those first few months of the pandemic. In fact, we really didn't dig into the transition conversation until about six months in of me being here. And then it took some time to assemble the transition team. The team met for the first time in December 2020 for an orientation meeting. We then began our work on your behalf in January 2021. That's, that's just eight months ago, actually. The team met every other week during that time to pray together, to go over your feedback, to ask questions, to exchange thoughts, to host an online season of prayer, and to craft and recraft the positional statements of the church. During that time, the team began to talk about how to update the governance model of the church and its supporting bylaws with goals to make decision-making easier and the bylaws clearer. And so, we are beginning a teaching series this morning on our updated mission, vision, and value statements. That's why the really clever title, Mission, Vision, and Values. Why does Cedar Valley Church exist? In the meantime, the transition team has been divided into two teams. One group is working on bylaws and governance, and the other is working on hiring profiles. And I am hopeful that we will have these things in place with your feedback by the end of the year, at which time I will be leaving and you will begin the search for your next lead pastor. So please be praying for me and the team as we work away on these things. And please join us in prayer on Wednesday nights in October and November at the church here at 7 p.m. We will be praying for each other and the church and our community, and in particular, wisdom for the teams as we work away. Let's get back to the question. What are we doing here? Or put differently, why does Cedar Valley Church exist? Well, there were lots of answers to this question at the workshop we hosted last fall. Those answers included to worship, to live by example, to be a safe and welcoming place, to have small groups with a united purpose, to meet practical needs, to work together as a church, to encourage one another, to make quilts, to run alpha. All really good stuff. But is all of it the mission of the church? Is some of it maybe how we might go about the mission of the church, or even what we might do to reflect the mission of the church? Because a mission statement is about purpose, not direction. 
Direction comes with your vision, which we'll talk about next week, and in a way, your values, which we will talk about in the weeks to come. Let me share a relatable example, I hope, that might help us understand the difference between mission and vision, because these two words, unfortunately, have suffered some baggage in terms of their clarity. A farmer's mission hasn't changed in a thousand years or more. It is to grow food and bring it to market at a price that pays for all the cost of production and provides an acceptable standard of living for the farmer and food for those who need it. A farmer's vision, however, could vary from farmer to farmer. One farmer might have a vision to pass his farm on to his children with twice his current acreage. Another farmer might dream about opening a canning operation on her property. And another farmer might aim to be a pioneer in growing organic vegetables. Mission is about purpose. Mission is why something exists. Why does Cedar Valley Church exist? Well, the transition team, including me, thinks that the mission of the church, too, has not changed in thousands of years. Namely, to make disciples, as Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 19. Or as we have put it in plain language, people who are trying their best to follow Jesus, love people, invite others to do the same. So, can you say that with me on the count of three? I know that's kind of cheesy, but we're going to do it. Are you, are you ready? I'm glad you're taking your mask off because you want to buy in. Ready? Well, I shouldn't encourage that. Keep them on, I guess. Yeah, sorry. Now you feel rebuked. Sorry about that. <laughs> One, two, three. Follow Jesus and invite others to do the same. That's right. Because a good mission statement should be short, easily understood, and memorable, so that when you're sitting in the hot tub at the leisure center and someone asks you, hey, what's the mission statement of your church? Because you know that's going to happen. You'll just know it. You won't have to pull out your phone because where would you put your phone anyway? You're in a hot tub. You'd just be able to share it off the top of your head. Follow Jesus. Love people. Invite others to do the same. Actually, your mission statement should be short, easily understood, and memorable so that it is always rolling around in your head and in your heart as a kind of guide for living, as a measure for spiritual maturity, as a kind of true north towards Jesus personally and corporately. So let's break the statements down a little bit just for discussion's sake. Follow Jesus. Jesus said, come follow me. He said it a remarkable number of times, actually. This is this is not an invitation, though, to follow him on Facebook or Instagram or to subscribe to his YouTube channel. This is not just an invitation to know things about him or to learn from his teachings. It might include that, but that's not the zenith of following Jesus. This is an invitation to commit to a certain way of life. As Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So here's the context. Jesus' disciples were expecting him to launch this 
crazy kingdom of riches and honor and pleasure, and they'd be in, his disciples, and others would be out. But Jesus' kingdom is just not like that. Jesus' kingdom is a spiritual kingdom of forgiveness and love, transcending geopolitics and societal structures. Jesus' kingdom is for everyone, only in or out by our choice. If anyone wishes to come after me, that is, if anyone wants to follow him, to be his disciples, which is to say, to be a student of his way of life, then follow him. Let him go before you. Rich or poor, educated or uneducated, young or old, female or male, dark chocolate loving or milk chocolate loving. There's room for both in the kingdom. Let him lead. He leads, we follow. Or as Carrie Underwood sings, and I just could not resist saying it this way. Jesus, take the wheel. He must deny himself. Deny riches and honor and pleasures if they displace Jesus as number one. Come apart from self-righteousness and ungodliness and worldly lusts and any friends or family who tempt you towards them. Drop anything that competes with Jesus Christ. This is exactly what Pastor Grant said last Sunday. Remove those things in our lives that we value more than our relationship with Jesus. He must deny himself, take up his cross, drop distractions, and take up suffering and humility and patience as an imitation of Jesus, who completely, by the way, resigned himself to the will of God this is not a good piece in a brochure to join the club, is it? Take up your cross. Take up humility and patience and imitate Christ. And follow me. If we are followers of Jesus, then we should expect to carry our own suffering as he did, dependent upon God, finding purpose and hope in our suffering in it, and being strengthened by his spirit to endure. So to follow Jesus means to let him lead, to deny those things that compete with him for our attention and our hearts, which by the way, end up hurting us anyway, and to persevere in our trials with presence and perspective and his power in us. So we let Jesus lead us to apologize Instead of defending or excusing or justifying our behavior or looking for something to blame in the other person, we get past the whole, yeah, but, it, but it's the, did you do it? So we deny ourselves long hours of binge watching or social media trolling or eating food to comfort ourselves or drinking ciders to take off the edge or saying what's on our minds without thinking because we've told ourselves it must be true because we're feeling it, deny ourselves. And every time you do, by the way, that is you following him. Every time, because we don't all the time deny ourselves 
So we turn to Jesus and ask him to fill us with the power that resurrected him. I am not making it. Fill me with your spirit, Father. I am not strong enough on my own. I don't want to build towers without you. Follow Jesus. Love people. Now, of course, like it just stands to reason, doesn't it? If we are following Jesus, uh, then we will love people because Jesus loves people. When he was asked, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, in summary, in Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. By the way, don't you just love that Jesus answered, how do you get it to one commandment? And he gives him two. So Jesus loved that. And then he gave his disciples a new command, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. The apostle Paul said it this way, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us. In Ephesians chapter five, verses one and two. So in summary, loving others begins with Loving God, loving the one who made us, loves us, from who we can draw our strength to love others, to pour out of cups that are filled by his love, by reading stories in the Bible about how God loved others, by reading verses in the Bible that tell us about how God loves us individually, and by looking for and telling stories about how God has shown us his love, looking for it and talking about it. I love what Leslie shared with me last Sunday after the church service about how her doctor once told her that there are two planes in our human experience, a physical plane and a spiritual plane. And once in a while, God pinches those two together. Or as I might say it, God intersects our days. Are we paying attention? Are we even looking for it? Loving others is put in the context of loving ourselves, not as a self-centered sort of love fest. Mm, I just love you, Rob. Mm, so good. But to be putting, putting love into practice and in perspective, as Jesus says elsewhere, do to others as you would have them do to you. The Apostle Paul is even more pragmatic. He says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29, after all, he says, no one has ever hated his own body, but he feeds it and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. Do the basics. Be kind. Care for others in the same way you feed your body when you're hungry and you go to the doctor when you're sick. Loving others is a command. It's not a feeling. It's an action. It's not an emotion. It is therefore a choice. And the choice for a follower of Jesus is what? Is to imitate Jesus in the way he loves people. In other words, the best question we could ask ourselves before we do or say anything is probably, is this loving? And if it's not, you probably shouldn't say or do it. Follow Jesus, love people, invite others to do the same. 
Invite others to follow Jesus and to love people. What a kingdom. What an adventure. Invite others to explore a friendship with Jesus. Invite others to ask questions. Invite others to do a Bible study with you. Invite others to tell their story and share yours with permission. Invite others to come to church. Invite others to join you at Alpha or at Freedom Sessions or something they might feel ready and comfortable to explore with you. Invite others to let Jesus lead them, to deny those things that compete with him for their heart and their attention, which end up hurting them, and to persevere in their trials with the presence and perspective and the power of God in them. Invite them to join you on a pathway of discipleship and invite them to love others. Remind them that they are loved. That they are loved by God is their primary identity. Tell them Bible stories of how God showed you his love, or at least through his people. Show them verses that show them how much God loves them. Share your stories of how you've seen God love you, how he has pinched the planes and intersected your life, and show them how they can see it for themselves. Love others with them. Treat others as you'd want to be treated. Celebrate those times when they have loved others, when they could have done something else. It's very easy to miss encouraging somebody, but saying to them, I saw that. Really proud of you, if that makes sense to say it that way, but acknowledging it. Talk about it with them when they miss the chance to be loving, not in a judgmental, condemning way, but talk about it. Talk about forgiveness and second chances and circling back. Talk about what they might do next time. Rehearse that with them. They can imagine that story moving forward and encourage them to seek and to give forgiveness. Tell them love never fails, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. This much I knew, standing in that darker-than-dark storage closet, that I was in there hiding, waiting for others to join me because I was a follower of Jesus, a new follower of Jesus, actually, who loved people and wanted to invite others to do the same. I wanted to make disciples. And because God is God, and I was willing to let him lead, which I do imperfectly, by the way, I've made disciples who are friends, which is really the same thing. As if to illustrate the point and the power of living this way, I actually heard from one of those junior high youth last week, one of those four who would have joined me in the closet at the end of that game. She said, hi, buddy. Andrew, her husband, and I have been watching Greg McCallum's ordination panel online today. That is another one of those junior high students. And it made me think, first, that's incredibly hard and nerve-wracking, and I have so much admiration and respect for you, and it was hard, and it was nerve-wracking to be ordained. Second, that it's amazing that you did it because it looks super hard, and it was. And third, that I know you didn't go through the process for me and Andrew because that would be a very self-centered thing to say but I know that the timing of it may have been influenced by our wedding and being able to officiate for us. 
And I'm just so thankful you did that. And I'm so proud we were your first wedding. Love you, my friend. There's no one like you, and you had such an impact on all of his kids. Just look at where Greg is now. This is the power of discipleship. Not reserved for pastoral staff, but for the priesthood of believers, who you are. Follow Jesus. Love people. Invite others to do the same. As a Mandalorian might say, this is the way. This is the way. As Christians, we would say, this is the way. So I'm going to close in prayer and invite Grant to come up shortly. And uh, we'll discuss some questions I've laid out here. There's that great verse. I wished I'd clicked that earlier. But here are some discussion questions we'll look at momentarily. So let's pray. Father, I must confess, because you know it, that I, uh, I, I don't always follow you like I would even want to. Even though I know it's the best thing I could possibly do with my life. And I know, uh, I know what it feels like when I don't. And I know that firstly, it hurts you hurts your heart because you have said, follow me into this brilliant way of living and encapsulated in love and forgiveness. And when I choose apart from that, I choose apart from you. And then it hurts me when I do. And I feel it. I feel it in my heart. I feel it in my bones. And I'm grateful I do. I, I think, continue to believe that that is the evidence of your spirit saying, oh, yeah, you missed that. What do, we, what do we want to do about that? And then, of course, I heard others. None of us wakes up in the morning saying to themselves, on my agenda today, I want to hurt God, hurt myself, and hurt others but we do. Thank you for forgiving us that that's done, accomplished at the cross, our healing forever. We understand there's always consequences that are created by the things we do and don't do, say and don't say. Help us to respond to what you'd have us do. And thank you that if we look at our lives, I hope we're able to say this, that the trend towards following you, not necessarily easier, but we're, we're getting better at it. That there's more choices in our days where we say yes to following you with the things we think and say and do versus not. And may we be gracious with ourselves and maybe have that conversation with you and say, oh, yes, I see it. Thank you. That's awesome. I see where that's better and it's different. It's better for my heart, for others. And it draws me closer to you. I want to be more like you. Thanks for your patience as we journey 
Father, would you meet us in the deep places of our hearts, our souls, to sort of uh, think about and talk about with you where we are, are heeding it, where we're enjoying it, and where we are missing the mark. And know that you're with us in both of those because you are the greatest so that we don't have to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Pastor Grant. Thanks, Rob, for the message this morning and starting us off into this series. Uh, yeah, it's fun. It's going to be good. Yeah, and I see with your first question here, uh, I wonder how many people here, we, you can do like a little shy, raise of hands, but don't let the people around you see. Who knew the previous mission statement of this church? Like, it just is in your back pocket, ready to go. There's a, okay. Actually, a few more hands. I thought, I didn't even, I, there was a few statements and I didn't know the different presuppositions between the words. I knew the intent and heart behind it, but I don't think I would have known it memorized. And that was uh, it's kind of the heart of your first question here. And it is, and it will lead it. into the second question for sure. Yeah. So how long do you think it would take you to memorize this particular mission statement? I imagine you could probably have it memorized before you leave today. So are you ready to do it another time? On the count of three? We're going to get this, yeah, we right? Should. We're going to go cheese, part two. On the count of three, one, two, three. Follow Jesus. Love, Love people. people. Invite others to do the same. Excellent. Let's go to question two. How could this mission statement act as a kind of guide for your spiritual growth? This is the meat of it, right? So if you're carrying this around in your head and heart, and you're able to ask yourself all the time, okay, where am I at today, this moment, this decision, that next thing I'm going to say, how does this affect that? How would you answer that for yourself? Yeah, well, it, it really just sums up the, I, I think what's great about it, we've even talked about to uh, in researching ways of like mission statement for a church and what's the whole point of like what's its core guiding brand identity should be like you can add your own flavor of languaging but it should be pretty universal to the entire Christian experience like every church every Christian anybody who's a believer of Jesus should be able to abide in something like our the statement we've come up with it, it's directly out of the great commission and so I, I think it a, it shouldn't be foreign, it, but it's a really good, super clear reminder of like, okay, so when somebody says, so you go to church, what's that about? Well, I love and follow Jesus, and I love people because he told me to, and I want you to be part of that. Yeah, totally. And it's super simple language. Yeah, and that was part of the goal of your transitioning team was to get your statements to be as little fraught with religious language as possible so that people who might visit us online or be here on a Sunday morning will probably have this somewhere shortly or within this series as visible to ourselves. It's not hard to understand, right? It's follow Jesus, love people, invite others to do the same. That is the chunk that we would argue as a transition team might actually have been missing as it relates to the Great Commission specifically and what you had previously. It is a challenge, for sure, to invite others to do the same. To do what? To follow Jesus and to love people. I think that, that mission statement, when it rolls around in my head, uh, it, it operates at all kinds of levels in terms of worship, in terms of um, the choices I make, but also in the conversations I have with people in my neighborhood who don't know him. So it hits all those levels, right? 
and those are really important. I think it's really easy regularly uh, as followers of Jesus, as Christians, to just get stuck on like, so, so what's the whole thing about? What's your faith about? Oh, yeah, well, there's this guy named Jesus, and I believe in him. And, and I've heard it said before by other pastors and authors, too, like, that's not enough because Satan believes in Jesus. Well, the scripture says that. And it, like lots of people know about Jesus and that's not actually it. It's like, how do you start applying what he's actually demanding of us? And that's now loving people. And, and that's a stretch too. So that's the next step. And that's not just loving people the way we think is good enough to love them. It's loving them the way Jesus loved them, loving the, them the way they need to be loved and then bringing people into that whole message. So it's, it's actually a small statement that has massive implications, but should be constantly guiding everything we're doing as much as we're able to think of that. Yeah. As a church, Jesus said that we will be known by, the, by virtue of how we love people. That will be the defining measure. So as a church and in your neighborhoods at work, I'm not asking you this to condemn you. I'm asking you to enter into the question thoughtfully, would you be known distinctively differentiating yourself as people of love? Like when people say, oh, that church on the hill, that is the most loved. When people say, my buddy down the hall, my coworker, that's the most loving woman I've ever met. And are you trending towards that? That's, that's I guess, a question underneath that too. Yeah, it says core. You won't be known by, you won't be known as a people by how much stuff you know about me. It says right. you won't be known by how well you love each other. Exactly. It's, yeah. Yeah. Amazingly core. I think this is great stuff to our whole goal and hope with this is to just dialogue about it, to actually make this something that we don't just listen to Pastor Rob and go about our day and think that that's fine and we've got it through osmosis, but actually start wrestling with it. Talk about it with your spouse or your family on the way home here from church or phone up a friend or talk about it. If you're watching online, throw in some comments and thoughts and we'll leave these questions on the stream for a few minutes afterwards too. Would you mind closing us in a prayer? Absolutely. Yeah, we'll just end off the service with a word of prayer. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the ability to just join in wherever everyone here is joined in. God, I just pray that you give us a really good sense of community, that whether we're behind a computer screen or a TV or we're here sitting in the chairs, we're listening to you, God, with the kids who are downstairs getting their message in uh, in Cedar Valley Kids Church there, that this is just an amazing time to gather and worship, God, and, and you bless that, and thank you for that. God, just pray that we're able to think consciously. For every single thing we're thinking of and doing, our actions, the stuff that comes out of our mouths this week, we think about how this simple mission statement brands that up a bit, God, how it affects it. If we start thinking of how we're following you, how we're loving people around us, God, and how we're inviting them into that whole thing. Mm-hmm. So God, just keep this in our minds clearly. God, make it the first words on our lips and people say, hey, what are you guys all about? This is it. God, I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everyone. Go in peace.